Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. <clears throat> Hello and welcome once again to History Dweeps. I'm Tim. And today we have a podcast. We're going to talk about Charles... Stockweather and his uh, girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, who went on a killing spree back in 1957. They were in love. They were in love. It was two young lovers with nothing, nothing better to do. But sit around the house. Get high and watch the two. Yeah. But uh, well, before we talk about their dastardly deeds, let me introduce our panel. I am joined, as always, by the very lovely and talented, the Empress of Evil, the Queen of Mean, the Mistress of the Macabre, and Satan's Dirty Little Secret, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm fine. How are you? I am well. You seem low energy today. I am not. Okay, good. I am tired, but I am not low energy. I'm fine. Okay, good. Because, you know, we can get Not you some... as excited to be back <laughs> as I was. <laughs> as you were last week? Yeah. Yeah. It wears off pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, as always, uh, we are very honored to be uh, joined by the distinguished uh, debonair, the man of all seasons, the most dangerous man in podcasting today, <laughs> Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm as fine as a frog's head, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, that's that's good to hear. Uh, did, have you? Did you have a good weekend? Your your uh, Broncos? Well, Broncos won the Super Bowl. They did. Um, and uh, that made me that that was quite joyous for me and Rudy. Well, I'm sure Rudy was excited. Yeah. Had a little, had a little party. Mm-hmm. Had some people over. Rudy made some. Uh, Rudy makes makes a really good seven dip, seven layer salad. He does whatever that is. Yeah. Seven layer dip. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what the dog. Rudy did. is multi talented. Did Rudy enjoy Puppy Monkey Baby? He did. That was his favorite commercial. I wondered. Mm-hmm. Freaked me out. <clears throat> was this like the um, commercial? Commercial in the Super Bowl? I guess yeah. I missed. Well, actually, Rudy Rudy's favorite commercial was the dogs all in the trench coat getting the Doritos. Did you see that? Uh, one? I missed that one. Oh, that was a good, that was probably the best commercial in the whole thing. I don't know. Okay, shout outs, Colonel. Um, shout outs were always going with the lovely Lady Beverly. Yes, um, her um, and our number one fan. Uh, the thing that drives this whole show 
the person you keep trying to kill, <laughs> um, Dottie Scott. Uh, my mom. Dottie I do not try to kill her. We got a new sponsor today. Yes, kind of uh, a real sponsor today. Uh, we got a real sponsor today, and if you if you folks up in Delaware, New Jersey, anywhere, I, I'd imagine they're a regional company. Uh, I'm sure he'll. They drive anywhere up and down the East Coast. And up and down those East Coast, you know, you get into those things. You got a lot of a lot of wooden houses. Yeah, a lot of clapboard, a lot of wooden. And what happens? You think you, you don't get weathered? This is, they get weathered, and this is the thing you don't really notice. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you look at your house one day and it's like, boy, this looks like hell. Mm-hmm. You need to get it repainted. Mm-hmm. And then you're faced with getting up on the ladder, falling off, breaking your shoulder, arm, neck, whatever. Being in a wheelchair for the rest of the days because you do. Yeah, sipping, uh, sipping your food out of a straw. Right, because you tried to paint your house yourself. Leave yeah. it to the professionals. And when you go to get a professional, you know who you want to get, Timmy? I'm, you're going to tell us. You want to get Bob Mears and Sons. Yes. Bob Bob fan, a good fan of the show. 27 years and still stroking, Timmy. <laughs> 27 years and still stroking. 27 years and still stroking, and, and, and when Bob goes on, his son going to keep on stroking. All right. Well, Bob, Bob yeah. is painting. That's what you don't Don't be a fool. Don't be like the colonel did one summer and try to paint your house yourself. Because yeah. my house is brick, and I just got wood trim around it. Yeah. I had to get on a 15, 18. Try to paint the brick? No, I, I had to paint the woodwork. Oh, the I see, I see. But Bob, I'm, I imagine he could paint paint your house, paint your dog, paint your whatever. Oh yeah, you yeah. Paint it. Yeah. If you're a hockey fan, he could put, probably put face paint on. Oh yeah, probably. For, yeah, yeah, for, but, yeah. But it, but in seriousness, take a look at your house. If it needs painted, call Bob. Bob Mears and Son, you can find him at Bob Mears and Son on the internet. On the yeah, and they have a Facebook and they page. Facebook page. We got uh, uh, some uh, examples of their fine work, so check them out. Yeah, actually, I've seen those pictures. They've yeah, done some some brilliant. amazing work there. Yeah. So thank you, Bob. Bob's a fan of the show, so thank you for listening in and um, um, check out. Twenty-seven years still stroking. Twenty-seven years and still stroking. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I want to just give a couple shout-outs to Rebecca over in England. Um, thank you, Rebecca, for. Um, following us and to um trish down in kentucky uh she's always uh sending me cool um things on local history and uh, it's really nice to to uh, read michael moody and uh, michael b who's commented on our uh our last podcast on we had a lot of comments on the um uh, Willie Francis story so we, we really appreciate that so a shout out to two of the Michaels who participated in that and also Jimmy and Kevin thank you and Scott um, and um, I don't know any other shout outs before we well, jump I will in? let you know that Brittany and Nicole did receive the picture of the Colonel and I Rudy I saw that finally yeah so anybody else that wants to put up a, a little sign that says Team Colonel they will get a uh, they will get an autograph four by six picture because the envelopes are hard to find or five by seven um we did get um we we're now up to three uh requests for text photo of you and rudy oh yeah yeah we got number three today so thank you all for participating in that let's uh jump into the story uh and talk about charles starkweather um and his girlfriend carol ann fugate is that how you say her name fugate fugate okay um we're going to go back to 1950s, and we're going to talk about their killing spree. That I think it was pretty gruesome um, spree they went on. But they were really the first. This is 
the this is where everything changed. Really, they were the first mass murderers, serial killers, yeah. spree killers. I think they're considered spree killers, but yeah. I don't. I don't really know what distinguishes a, a serial killer from a spree killer. I guess it's the time frame. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. But anyway, they killed a bunch of folks. And we're going to talk about them. Um, Charles Starkweather. Um, was born Charles Raymond Stockweather on November 24th, 1938, in Lincoln, Nebraska. So if he was born on November 24th, Colonel? If he was born on November 24th, his depending on how the holidays fell that year, yeah. he might or might not have been a Thanksgiving baby. Well, his 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 mom would have been pregnant during Halloween, at least. Yeah, an important holiday. Yeah. To me, though, Halloween's the most important holiday. Well, right? Flag Day. Now, you know what? When I was a kid, now think about this. Mm-hmm. Every other holiday, you got disagreements over, right? Right. But Halloween, you go out, you knock on somebody's door, you get free candy. Yeah, that's I pretty mean, cool. You get free stuff. You ain't got to buy nothing for nobody. You ain't got to give them anything in exchange. Well, unless you, you have a house, trick or treat. you have to buy candy if you're no what what you do is what i used to do um i'd send my kids out early i had three boys Mm -hmm. um get them a big they get a big bag full of candy i put it on the porch when the kids came up i give them the boys candy so you regifted candy halloween candy well just the the, that's a shame that's shameful only the mary janes that's shameful People give apples pennies whatever Uh, goes back with it now the milky ways and stuff what about the um candy corn Candy corn went right back into the next kid's bag. And if I didn't like you, you got two candy corns. <laughs> anyway, he was born, uh, Charles Raymond Stockrather was born on uh, November 24th, 1938 in Lincoln, Nebraska, in the heartland of the United States. He was the third of seven children born to his parents, Guy and Helen Stockweather. They were a respectable family. Uh, they had well-behaved children for the most part. Um, they were working-class background, but... Uh, you know, they, they were able to keep uh, Guy and Helen was able to keep a roof over the kids' heads and, and keep them fed during the Depression um, because this was, uh, Charles was born right at the tail end of the Depression. He, uh, his father, Guy, was by all accounts a mild-mannered man. He was a carpenter who often was unemployed due to his uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, it would be kind of hard what to... kind of arthritis? Rheumatoid arthritis. It would be kind of hard to be... A carpenter, if you have arthritis, really bad. If you and you know this, this is a true story, Demi. I don't know if you you're aware of this or if I made you aware of it, but the colonel got arthritis. Oh, I think you're gonna tell me you were a carpenter. Not your job. No, the colonel colonel got a cirrhotic arthritis, and it's, it's and there's many people out there suffering from it. And it's a uh, it's a it's a real thing. You get psoriasis, and all of a sudden you got cirrhotic arthritis, and it's quite painful. It sounds like it. It's not fun at all. No, I wouldn't imagine. Now, usually Advil will take care of it for me, but there's people to get it very, it's crippling to some people. Yeah. Not We're, you. You power through, don't hmm? you? You power through. Well, the colonel almost superhuman. I mean, the you colonel, are, yeah. You are other, you're, uh, you're I, I often think of you something other than human. If it was somebody else I would, with my condition, it'd probably be like Stephen Hawking, you know, using his wheelchair with his mouth and whatever. Stephen Hawking, really? But the colonel, he still get on the treadmill every day with his rheumatoid arthritis. It only flares up on you every once in a while. It's what Granny called, I got cirrhotic, but it's what Granny called rheumatism. Mm-hmm. Clampets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she drank uh, moonshine for that. 
for just strictly for medicinal so does, purposes. Yeah. yeah. So does the colonel. Yeah. The colonel, he like a nip every now and again. <laughs> So Stockweather's dad, um, when he wasn't working uh, due to his arthritis, his mother supplemented the family income by working as a waitress. So just a normal, you know, American middle, you know, working class family. Um, Now, Charles was born with a mild birth defect that caused his legs to be misshapen. Mm, sad. Did he have to wear the Forrest Gump braces? So he was, he was mm. Charles Gumpweather? Not that I'm aware of. He didn't wear any kind of brace that I'm aware of, but I didn't see it in any of the research. But um, it did lead to him being teased um, by his classmates. Um, now, they, despite, despite being, you know, working class, poor, they, they had a de- he had a decent childhood, and families, the family did a lot of things together. Um and like I said, all the Starkweather children was considered well-behaved in the community. But Charlie also suffered, in addition to his misshapen legs, he has suffered from a speech impediment. Uh, and again, he was teased a lot by his classmates due to that. He was considered a slow learner, and he was accused of never applying himself. And um, he had some vision problems as well. So he, you know, he had some physical things going on. Um, the sole aspect of school in which he excelled was in gym class. Uh, and that is where he found an outlet uh, for his rage of being teased and bullied by others. So he would kind of get even with being very physical with them. Uh, he used his um, he used gym class as a way to get even with bullies, and then once he got even with bullies, he just started, you know, getting even and picking on people he just didn't like. Um, so he went from being considered one of the most well-behaved teenagers in the community to one of the most troubled. So he started having trouble in the, in his teen years. Well, one of, you know, one of the problems you have, Timmy, and you know, you find this everywhere. But anytime a kid's got a speech impediment, um, they People are quick to jump to the conclusion that they're slow learners. Mm-hmm. Now, he may or may not have been one, right? But you typically treat it like one from, and especially back then. Now you have speech therapy, mm-hmm. you have things. Um, so um, you you set that low expectation of them, and they kind of they lived up to it or down right. to it. Well, and they they if they're not slow learners, they are aggravated, they're frustrated, they're they're aware enough to know that. They're as smart as all the other kids, and they're mm-hmm. getting teased for it. So mm-hmm. they become, you know, they can become hostile people. Well, and two, you don't Rightly want so. you don't want to speak out in class because you're going to be, you know, afraid mm-hmm. of being uh, picked on or made fun of. So, and that, you know, you know what that's like. Well, no, their speech impairment <clears throat> and and hearing impairments they always go hand in hand with people thinking that they are slow learners. Slow but learners. really, they just have a, right. a disability. Now let's take the devil, for instance. You want to use okay. Brandy as an example? Well, she got ears like a hound dog. I mean, she can hear, a, you know, a pin drop from a hundred mm-hmm. yards. Mm-hmm. Um, bright, she, bright as a bright as a button. Yeah, she speaks as just sure as a button clear is bright, as a, clear as a bell. Yeah, unlike some people on but, this podcast. But she's slow witted. Yeah. What? So you know, it doesn't have anything to do. With I'm slow witted. <laughs> doesn't have anything. I'm slow witted. <laughs> Took me a minute to set that one up, but I got it there, Timmy. Didn't I? I'm slow witted. Okay, that's and there's nothing wrong with that, devil. Oh, there's yeah, no. Wrong with that. I mean, you're born the way you're born. 
We right. love you. We so love unless you. it comes to evil plans, then you're the evil genius. Well, here's the, what I found is that, you know, I've worked with the two of you for a lot of years. And so what's had to happen is I've had to dumb it down a lot <laughs> in, order for, in order for us to get through the day. Well, you've done a good job. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. You've done a good job. Thank you. Okay, back to uh, the um, our topic, Mr. Charles Stockweather. So he had a pe- speech impediment, a peach impediment. <laughs> And, there it is. He had and, a bad peach. And, uh-huh. uh, but he started, um, he went to, when he was a kid, when he was a teenager, he went to see Rebel Without a Cause. And, uh, star, of course, starring the James Dean. And he developed a fixation on James Dean and began to groom his hairstyle and dress like Dean. And the boy had some nice hair. Yeah, he did? Picture, yeah, if you look nice at him, he, he, you know, he's got this whole hair yeah. comb back, and he's got that whole Is he rebel. A dapper Dan man. Yeah, he's got that whole rebel. <laughs> rebel. Dapper, dapper, dapper. Um, dapper Dan man. So he really related to Dean's uh, rebellious screen persona, believing that he had found a kindred spirit of sorts, uh, someone who suffered torment similar to his own uh, that he could admire. So um, he also. Um, Developed a severe inferiority complex due to his disabilities and his stuttering and being teased. And, um, you know, it affected his outlook on life. So he found this one outlet where he could, you know, emulate James Dean and he felt like he was cool. So that was, um, that's his sort of uh, Starkweather's background. Now, Carol Ann Fugate uh, was born on July 30th, 1943. So, Colonel, she was born on July 30th? Uh, they would have been doing it right after the Halloween. No, they would have been, been... Oh, she was a Halloween baby. They conceived yeah. her right on Halloween. Well, she was definitely pregnant. Her mom was pregnant during the 4th of July. Imagine that was hot out there in Nebraska. I bet she was miserable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she was born on July 30th, 1943. I don't know why we keep talking about this. In Lincoln, Nebraska. In the she, town of Lincoln, Nebraska. She was five years younger than Charles, um, which would make sense since he was born in 1938. Sure. Um, she had um, she lived with her mother and her stepfather. Now, in 1956, at age 13, young Carol formed a relationship with Charles, uh, whom she met through her sister, Barbara. Barbara was dating one of Charles's friends, a Bob Von Busch. And Charles worked as a truck unloader at the Western Newspaper Union Warehouse. So, I hate that place. Yeah, it was probably a lot of hard work unloading trucks all day. But anyway... Carol was a pretty girl with dark hair and a ready smile. She, too, had a wide streak of uh, rebellion in her and at times had a very bad temper. She was not really much of a scholar, having failed, uh, failed a grade in elementary school. Even though her teachers considered her a slow learner, Charlie thought she was a wizard. Uh, he treated her like a goddess, and he you know, fell head over heels in love with her. And probably because she was so young, he thought he was really cool, too, because, you know, he had his whole James Dean persona other than, you know, walking funny and stuttering. Um, she was impressed by his cars. He had, I guess he had a car. He was tough-looking. Fast cars. Yeah. Um, 
And despite his poverty, he was working so he could give her almost anything she wanted. Hell, she was only 13, so... Yeah, so you only had to get her a lollipop. Exactly. Um, So, um, but Charlie fell, you know, head over heels in love with Carol. Carol became the center of his life. He began telling people that him and Carol were going to get married. And he started telling his close friends that Carol was pregnant with his child. And this was a lie at the time, but it backfired when... uh, Carol's uh, parents heard about it. Um, Stockweather sought employment uh, at a warehouse uh, so he could be near uh, Whitaker Junior High. Uh, that's where Carol was a student. So mm-hmm. he's trying to get a job, you know, near where his uh, Did love he try is. And do that? Yeah, in jun- near the Junior High where his girlfriend was. <laughs> it seems a little. You know, skeevy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe it was different. Seems a lot skeevy. Times, but I'm not sure that even in those times, how old was he at this he, time? Well, he's five he years older, 18. so he was 18. She was 13. She was in middle school, and he was out of well, and he dropped out of school. But I'm pretty sure that's statutory rape, even then. Yeah, that seems creepy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So his his employment at the warehouse allowed him to visit her at school every day. Um, he was considered a poor worker. And his employer recalled, sometimes you'd have to tell him something two or three times. Of all the employees in the warehouse, he was the dumbest that we had. So, um, he was, uh, now, Starkweather took young uh, Carol under his wing. He taught her how to drive. And then one day, she crashed his 1949 Ford into another car. Oh, that horrible. Well, it wasn't really Starkweather's car. It was his father's car. Starkweather's father had to pay for damages as he was a legal owner. So that didn't go over very well with his dad, and Stockweather got in a big altercation with his father over it, refusing, his father refusing to condone his son's behavior, and he banished his son from the household. So basically, they, yeah, he got, he got him kicked out. Yeah, they got shunning. Yeah, they got shunning, but they kicked him out of the house. Um, then Starkweather quit his job shortly after that uh, and got a job as a garbage collector for minimum wage. Uh, so he liked his job as a garbage man. Only they only paid him forty two dollars a week. It wasn't really a career advancement, but he could be off work so he could spend more uh, spend more time when uh, with young uh, Carol. Now one of the homes on his uh, garbage route. This comes into play later. The garbage route that he had went through like the the better homes in uh, Lincoln, like the rich area. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, one of the residents was the future talk show host. Dick Cavett. He lived in one of those homes. Cool. Yeah, okay, it was. But anyway, this would come into play later when we talk about some of his dastardly deeds. He knew where all the, the you know, the. Uh, he, he knew where the good loot was. Yeah, he knew where the good loot was. Um, now, he paid, uh, he, he, he had an apartment, he was living alone, but he, you know, he didn't keep up his rent, and his landlady was a bit unsympathetic to him when he didn't keep up his rent, and she locked him out. Um, she don't care as long as she gets her rent back next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> talking about the back rent, she'd be lucky to get any. Talking about the front rent, she'd be lucky to get any back rent. Don't think she he was looking for no job. <laughs> yeah. I sent him all day. Instead, I'm leaning against the post. But I'm tired. Okay, enough with that. I don't care about that. <laughs> I love that song. Okay, Charlie began to see himself trapped in a life of poverty uh, with his limited intellect. Uh, the only way out that he could envision was to do something really dramatic like rob a bank. 
Gradually, Charlie had convinced himself that he was going going to have to lead the life of crime to get the money and respect that he craved. Oh, yeah. So now we're going to learn about his dastardly deeds with young Carol. So on November 30th of 1957... That would be right before Thanksgiving, or right after Thanksgiving. uh Uh-huh. About a month before Christmas. Yeah. So we're in prime Christmas shopping time. 25 days, give or take. Sure. Could have been Black Friday. No. Uh, Starkweather went into a service station in Lincoln where he tried to purchase a stuffed toy dog for Fugate on credit. Oh, that's sweet. Christmas. Um, Robert Colvert, the station attendant, refused to accept uh, this guy's credit. And so this was in the days when they just gave credit out. You didn't have a visa. They just gave you credit at a store. Yeah, I remember those days where you, you would... They write you up a credit slip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the gas station attendant wasn't going to do that. He was going to give him no credit, so Starkweather Well, he was talking to her landlady, apparently. Well, so Starkweather left there pissed. At 3 a.m. on December 1st... Of 1957, so three hours later, right? Uh, Starkweather returned to the station with a 12 gauge shotgun. Uh, initially, he left the weapon in the car. He went in the gas station and bought some cigarettes from the guy. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, he got back in his car, left, drove down the road, turned around, returned to the station again, leaving the weapon in the car. This time, he just got a pack of gum. And then left again. So, as long as he's not acting suspicious. Right. He was an indecisive shot. Jesus. Um, And then he parked, he left again, uh, parked a distance away from the station, sported a red bandana underneath a hat, and walked into the station with a shotgun and a canvas bag. So, I have this vision of him being dressed like an (laughs) old-timey bank robber. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah, he had the bandana over his face. Yeah, yeah. what a goober. Saying, I am not the guy who was in here previously yeah. two times. Yeah. yeah, but thank you for the gum. <laughs> so <laughs> Chewing gum, smoking a cigarette. Exactly. So uh, he held Colvert at gunpoint, stole $100 from the cash register before forcing, before forcing Colvert to walk back to his car. Starkweather then drove the um, station attendant to a remote area outside of Lincoln, forced him out of the car, um, at which point they struggled uh, over the shotgun. Uh, in the scuffle, the shotgun went off, shooting Colvert in his kneecaps. Oh, not the kneecap shot. Kneecaps. And then Starkweather um, killed him, killed the sh- killed Colvert with a shotgun blast to the head. See, and that well, makes, I think once you're kneecapped. Yeah, yeah. but, I mean, it don't make any sense why he killed that guy. I mean, it, it, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it was his honor that got, you know, his honor was besmirched. He got turned down for credit. Yeah, yeah. he was besmirched. Yeah. I, Do you I know how I hate to be besmirched? Jesus. He should have for a, stu- a, a stuffed dog. You know. Yeah, no, <clears throat> it was the besmirching. It's always the besmirching. Quick story that to me. It's uh, never a quick story. The colonel. Mm-hmm. Um, used to I worked in a business where I had some kind of just shady customers mm-hmm. and uh, this it was, it was a car dealer and we were uh, buy here pay here sounds like we, a shady business to me yeah we had a, two brothers that were down in Kentucky and um, the Walensky brothers the one brother came in and turned his car okay 
And he, he was a nice enough guy, and he's like, I gotta turn the car in, I'm going to jail. It's like, what you going to jail for, Albert? And he said, well, he's like, Chuck, I had some guy making the prettiest $100 bills you ever seen, or $20 bills, $20 bills you ever seen. We were selling them to a guy down in a truck stop. Turns out the guy was Secret Service that was selling the $20 bills too, so he was gonna go to jail, but. He's going to federal prison in the ass prison. Um, prior to this, mm-hmm. he had been in prison for robbing a convenience store. Okay. And he took the girl that worked at the convenience store and made her get in the car with him and drove her a certain distance so he would not, she could not call the police, but not too far. It was a rural place. Mm-hmm. Drove her about a mile away, let her out of the car. It was a chilly night. He gave her his jacket so she wouldn't be cold. Okay. He's a gentleman. He is, it sounds like, clearly. Yes, and this is back in the days when you could do DNA testing. Yeah. And the jacket was loaded with his DNA. (laughs) And the girl called back and called the police and gave a description, and they picked him up, and uh, he did 10 years in prison for that. Got out. Did he get his jacket back? It still held, that, I think, his evidence, but they... uh, Shit, that's shit. That's shit. So he decided that he was never going to... Yeah, he, and, and he even gave the girl, that's when phone calls were a dime. Mm-hmm. He said, I know you're going to call the police. Here's a dime for you. Oh, that's gentleman. And he didn't, nice. uh, didn't harm the girl. I mean, I'm sure he scared the girl to death. Yeah, he's got uh, false imprisonment by taking her away from that. Well, sport. that's actually what he went to jail for. Yeah. The biggest charge was kidnapping. Mm-hmm. So, Is yeah. that your story? That's the story. You're never give, if you're going to kidnap somebody, never release them and give them your damn code. Oh, okay. So this guy did the right thing. So Colbert um, was twenty one was only twenty one years old. He had a young wife and a baby on the way. Starkweather would later claim that in the aftermath of the murder, he believed he transcended his former self to reach a new plane of existence. So he was like, he kind of went to another level. In which he was above and outside the law. Yeah. Ooh. He's like Steven Seagal above the law. Yeah, he's 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 getting on taking really taking that James Dean whole rebel thing to a whole new level. Uh, the newspapers made the murder and robbery into a major news event since there were so little serious crime in the area back then. Starkweather took the precaution of painting his car a different color. Well, that's not suspicious. <laughs> Wait a minute, here we go. He should have got Bob Mears and Son in uh, yeah. in North Nor- uh, Delaware because yeah, they would have probably painted his car. Yeah. But then he did a couple of things that called attention to him as a suspect. Now, what did he do? Well, it was widely reported that most of the loot from the gas station holdup was in coin. <laughs> there Back you to go. Elmer McGur- McGurney. And this now. was before cargo pants. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie used change to buy some clothing for himself. <laughs> uh, so, so, so he got him some uh, got him some attire. Yeah. Some they, haberdashery. He took some 50, coins to the haberdashery. $50 and nickels and dimes. Yeah. So uh, the authorities actually believe that the holdup and murder was committed by a transient so Charlie, for the time being, was he figured he, he was okay. Uh, he confessed to the ro- he confessed the robbery to Fugate immediately. So he told his little girlfriend about claiming somebody else had killed Colbert, but Fugate did not believe it at first. The killing created a bond between them that would seal their fate. Yeah. He seemed to understand that this time together was all they would have in life before the end. He could grab anything he wanted. 
to give Carol, and the two of them would enjoy that life for at least a little while before their time ran out. I wonder if he, when he when he robbed a gas station, did he take away the stuffed toy? I don't know. Did he get a Slurpee? I don't know. Or a big gulp. Yeah. He could have got a big gulp. If he would have robbed it before he bought the cigarettes and gum, he would have had more change. (laughs) He would have. But he got it back. What was he doing? Recon? Going in there (laughs) twice? (laughs) So, anyway. um, I think we need to revisit your theory about his speech impediment and not an indication (laughs) of his... (laughs) I'm just learning disability. A, I think this guy might have had a learning disability. But. Uh, it didn't matter that their time together was very short. What mattered was that they had this time together at all. Oh, of course. And yeah. they were in love. She loved him. I love him. Well, I'm sure she did. That's why I will never have a daughter. But, Mom, I love him. No. So, when that so, daughter you devote your whole life to and send a. Uh, fine to the finest boarding schools, schools finest universities in the country. She marries a guy uh, who's got a record as long as your arm. But I love him, and I yeah, will fix love. him. Uh, when the euphoria wore off, Charlie was left with some grim realities. He'd been fired from his job as a garbage man. Uh, his landlady locked him out in the freezing Thank cold you. because he was past due on his rent. Uh, I don't think he's trying to pay no rent. <laughs> Not the kids either. Don't come from me as long as I get my money by next Friday. Out the door I went. Uh, let's see. Both his family and Carol's family were completely against their relationship and did everything they could to break it up. His family was against it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, maybe they recognized well, she the wrecked fact us that the it dad's was car. Remember? That's oh, true. Oh yeah, yeah. She's already got one strike again. So Carol put on a little weight. And her family was just sure that she was pregnant. My God, really? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it makes sense. They were probably banging, and she probably started putting on some weight. That's fine, but my God, maybe she just got a good meal. <laughs> yeah, she was 14 years old. They start to get a little chunky now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, okay. No, I mean, that's that's, uh, that's, that's nope. uh, disgraceful even for you. <laughs> no, I mean, girls start to... No, well, I mean, thank God... Then. And thank God the girls in our country don't have body image issues at all. Well, okay. I mean, thank God for that. The colonel worded that wrong. About 14 back in those days uh-huh. was when you went from looking like a 13-year-old boy to looking like a... That's when the boys and girls separated. You start to get a little curvier. Yeah, because you're about that age, aren't you? <laughs> this is about in your time frame. You were coming of age and during this time. Well, it ain't like today where the girls are filling out when they're 11 years old, for God's sake. Well, it's confusing for you, I know, <laughs> isn't it's, it? It's baffling to me. But what I, I did not mean that... The, what did I even say? You didn't say that. Just stop talking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On t- <laughs> you said you you set back women's body image <laughs> image issues. You set them on back. Okay. I didn't set back the body image. The pizza and ice cream set back their body image. <laughs> That's what set back your body image. Careful. Ice cream ass. That's what sets back your body Careful, image. Careful, Chief. Just saying. You're about ready to see how slow-witted I am. <laughs> So on Tuesday, let's see. So he was desperate. So Carl, or not Carl. um, Charles. Carol's putting on weight. Charlie, you know, everybody assumes that she's pregnant. Charlie's desperate. Well, he's going around telling people that she's pregnant, too. Well, yeah, and I I just, you know, he's slow, so it doesn't matter. So on Tuesday afternoon, January 21st, 1958, so after Christmas... That would probably have been right around the time that the president would be delivering his State of the Union yeah, address. right about that time. Yeah. 
Eisenhower, I Eisenhower. guess. Eisenhower. I like yeah. Eisenhower. Yeah. I know you like yeah. that. Starkweather drove over to the squalid dump that Carol and her cl- and her family called home. So Carol's still living at home. That's a little harsh. Right. Her fam- they live in- her family lives in a dump. A squalid dump. I know. That's what well, kind of dumps are they? <laughs> <laughs> the house in the yard... Well, hold on. I have a description. The house in the yard were strewn with litter and unused construction materials. You know what? That's just like a man. I got. I'm gonna use that. Just I'm leave it there. It. That's I'm gonna build it. Just leave it. Just leave it there. There wasn't no. Old, there happened. wasn't no old uh, cars on bricks or anything. Well, the grass was so high there could have been. Oh. We're not real sure. Okay, so Charlie took the 22 rifle. He borrowed some ammunition and went to the back door. Charlie took the 22 rifle he had borrowed and some ammunition to the back door and knocked. Carol's mother, like that. Yes. Carol, Carol, Land Shark, Velda, Velda. Bar- no wonder Carol spells her name, or Carol's name is spelled C A R I L. Yeah, I don't like that. Well, her mother's name is Velda, so that's why they just have jacked up names. So Velda Bartlett came to the so door. So basically, her her parents didn't know how to spell. Uh, clearly. Because Velda's pro- who's spell, who's Velda's spell? name is actually pronounced Mary. So I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So what really happened afterwards is impossible to confirm. Uh, the, this account is based on um, Starkweather's recollections after the fact. He claimed he was carrying the rifle and the ammunition in the hopes that he could go hunting with Carol's stepfather, Marion Bart. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm not buying that. Well, with the goal of repairing their relationship. Yeah. Going to read the blind nuns. With my, mm-hmm. with my gun here yeah. and okay yeah he I, also, I, I'm calling bullshit on that story oh wait a minute he also brought along with him two discarded carpet samples he'd found for Velda oh. uh, according to Charlie Velda and Marion were both because apparently <laughs> home and garden was very important to her they're about seven foot wide and about eight feet long just enough to wrap two bodies in yeah. Home and garden. It was very important. <laughs> you never know who gets tapped for homorama. You don't know. So, um, according, let's see, they were both home. Their two and a half year old child, Betty Jean, was crying. Aww. Velda told Charlie they didn't want him seeing Carol anymore. A loud argument followed, and Velda allegedly hit Charlie a couple times. Oh, that crazy bitch. He claimed that he left the house without the rifle, which he could have because he leaves the rifle in the car and goes <laughs> yeah. in the convenience store eight times. Well, he was coming back to do recon on him. Right. Uh, left without the rifle, drove around for a while before he came back to get the gun. 
I'm calling bullshit on that story, too. When he came back again, Marion literally kicked him out the door. Good for her. St- Marion? Marion was the dad. the dad. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Yes. Okay, so Starkweather went to a payphone, called Marion Bar- Bartlett's place of employment, and told them that he was ill and would not be at work for a couple of days. That's nice. Thing. Give her. He's always thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call. I'm going to call work for you tomorrow. Let me tell you something. You know what? You say what you want about Charlie here. Yeah. He's a planner. He had a plan. He's, he had a, a, plan. he's a planner. He called off work before he even killed him. He's a forward thinker. Yeah, he is. Uh, let's see. So then he went back to Carol's house and waited for her to come home from middle school because, you know, they had recess and study hall and whatnot. <laughs> Wait for a bus to pull up. Exactly. <laughs> you wonder if he runs out to the bus like a dog. Uh, let's see. When Charlie told Carol what had happened to her parents, she went into the house and argued with her mother. Starkweather followed her into the house. He said the Velda began hitting him again, shrieking that he had made Carol pregnant. He hit Velda back. Well, she had it coming. I mean, there's only so many times you're going to take a shot from a old woman. Well, and they struggled for a few minutes before Charlie got his gun. Charlie got a gun. I know, right? Because when your girlfriend's mom starts hitting you, the the natural thing to do is go get your gun and shoot Go get your gun, yeah. Well, at that moment, Marion Bartlett came in the room allegedly with a claw hammer in his hand. This is dad. Yeah, well, he could have been working out with all the construction shit in the yard. Just came in to see what was happening. Finally, getting around to that project. Finally, he was just starting to get his life together. Nailing his teeth and everything. Just ready to go. Just getting his life together. Getting that yard situated. Got his GED. Getting that yard situated. (laughs) Loving on his kids. And let's see. um, He came with a claw hammer and Starkweather shot him in the head. Then Charlie. There's no going back after you do that. Well, no. Now you got to kill everybody. Clearly. Uh, then Charlie claimed that Velda came at him with a large knife. Starkweather shot her in the face. Oh, well, once That's you kill personal. one parent, you gotta take both. It kind of, kind of throws a muck in the whole Thanksgiving for the next it year. It does. It, there's tension. I mean, there's, there's tension. tension. It, and you never. And you better. Christmas hope, is Christmas is awkward. You yeah. better hope the wife don't draw the name. Yeah, draw your name because yeah. she's gonna be mad right now. Well, Christmas Christmas is awkward for them. I wonder if Charlie walked around with uh, Marlboro cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve of his T-shirt. So cool. Yeah. You know he did. Did he stutter or did he? Here's my question. Did he stutter or did he have like that quipkey, that quipkey speech impediment? Speech impediment. I don't know. If he he stuttered, he probably called uh, her mama bitch. (laughs) You know he probably did. Oh, let's see. Okay, so she got shot in the face. Okay. And... As if that's not enough, he rammed the butt of the rifle in her head a couple times when she tried to get up to reach her baby. Uh, then Charlie hit the baby with the rifle butt. What? Well, Charlie's what? Charlie's a huge dick, dude. So, what happened to the baby? What did the uh, baby do? Jesus Christ. I probably was crying. I don't know. Uh, Carol's reaction to and the role and, and her role in this new slaughter was never satisfactorily satisfactory well it was right. never really determined right there's two theories one that she wasn't there at the time of the murders and she came home and found out what had happened and was forced to go along with him that's what her, what she claimed yeah and then the other claim is his claim is she was there the whole time and we'll get into what what the jury found but so these two these two brain trust um they were the only living witnesses 
Uh, so the real truth really has never is not been known. But Carol claimed that she broke up with Charlie before before all this happened and was just terrorized, like clutch the pearls terrorized oh while he attacked oh her my, family. Charlie. Yeah. What are you doing? Why are you shot no, my daddy stop. in the head? Yeah. And my mama in the face. You know, probably. That's no fair. I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go back in my room <laughs> and I am so done talking to you. So I'm just gonna go back here and then yeah. you can just get out because I am so done. I wonder if she blocked him on Facebook. Well, I probably did. I mean he's gonna have to clean up all that shit. The blood well, on it. The the two of them evidently cleaned it up. Uh, but he see. made her do most of it. Yeah, well... She's the girl. Velda's body was dragged out to the old outhouse and shoved down the toilet opening. Really? <laughs> now, what was she... Where, 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 where did they she... They shoved her in the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's and a I'm shame, thinking, man. And, and I don't want to make judgments on the fine people in Lincoln, Nebraska, but... <laughs> Was, I don't think we have many listeners in Nebraska, so you, go it was an old. It was an old outhouse. Have you, uh... Have you ever met a really hot woman named Velda? No. No. Okay. So she yeah. wasn't much to look at. So when I've never met a hot woman named Carol spelled with an C-A-R-I-L. I. C A R I L. I've met right. some pretty Carols, but pretty Carols, but with an O. Yeah. Okay. So Velda's body was shoved in the shitter. Now, Marion, that is really going to cause you some serious, serious septic problems. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, she's going to get clogged up. She's going to get septic poison. You know what? I put a Q-tip down she's the toilet, septic. and I get all kinds of problems. Yeah, you know what? And she's going to get an infection yeah. from that gunshot wound. <laughs> so, she's Carol's she's dead. <laughs> Carol's baby half sister was put in a box that had been used for garbage and taken uh. out to the outhouse as well. Uh, Mary and Bartlett was dumped on the floor of the chicken coop. So I don't know if there were chickens in there and they were uh, just going to peck him. just eat the shit out of you. Yeah, well, well they probably just, just, you know, they, they they used all their creativity in dumping mom. That went <laughs> the, yeah, they just put them out in the coop. Yeah. Uh, once that was done, Carol and Charlie cleaned up the mess uh, inside and spent the rest of the evening drinking Pepsi and eating potato chips. Oh, Snyder's of Berlin? Well, they were hungry. Yes, Snyder's of Berlin. They were hungry. Uh, they stayed there in the house just a few yards away from the rotting corpses of Carol's family for almost a week, Ugh. buying milk and bread on credit from the milkman every day. Charlie would go to the grocery store to buy a few other essentials. The couple remained in the house for six days, turning people away with a note written by Fugate taped to the door that said, Stay away, everybody is sick with the flu. Spelled F-L-U-E. <laughs> And that's when you could die from the flu, so people didn't even get that close. F-L-U-E. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can get a bad flu. Uh-uh. Uh, F-L-U-E? Well, that's when you get the chimney sweeps. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's not it either. Uh, signed, Velda Bartlett. <laughs> signed, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dead mom in the shit. <laughs> and actually, I think maybe her name was misspelled. <laughs> uh, so, Fugit's grandma became suspicious and contacted the Lincoln Police Department. Marion's boss came by a couple times to check on his employee, but was turned away. Becoming, he became suspicious and went to police. When police arrived on January 27th, Starkweather Weather and Fugate had fled the house. Uh, they drove to Bennett, Nebraska, um, and came upon the farmhouse of 70-year-old August Meyer. And he's a good guy in all this. Well. He was a friend of them. He was uh, a the kindly family. old bachelor who'd known Charlie since he was a boy. For reasons unknown, Starkweather killed August Meyer with a shotgun blast to the head. 
Brought his ass with money. Well, Cause he, he was home, I think. Yeah, he carried the <laughs> he carried the body of his old friend to an outbuilding and hid it under a blanket. Then he and Carol went to Meyer's home, stole his money and guns, ate his food, and fell asleep. They have big days. They well, need their rest. <laughs> well, you I mean, do. You got to pace yourself. When you, you do have to pace yourself. Uh, let's see. Uh, as they were fleeing the area, Stark, they Starkweather and Fugate drove their car into the bud, and then just left it there. Well, what are you, you going to do? <laughs> uh, when Robert Jensen and Carol King, nice Carol King, was King there. I like her. I like her. Uh, two you local, make me nope, feel. Nope. Nope. No. 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 So anyway, so two. They were two local teenagers, so Carol King was a teenager at the time. Yeah. Uh, they stopped. They stopped to give him a ride. And eh, mistake. Starkweather forced them to the to drive back to an abandoned storm shelter in Bennett, where they were both shot and killed. Quick story. No. Carol King. Famous songwriter. Everybody knows. Tapestry. But back in the day, she was a writer on Tim Pan Alley. I don't care. And all these people started seeing these hit records with C. King on them because she would not write Carol King written by Carol King because they did not want her to know she was a woman. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, some music executive some from someone wanted to know, who in the hell is this C. King? Why can I get him to... I want to see if this boy can sing. And then they found Carol King and it turned out she could in fact sing. Wow. Okay, I so... Fat. I was riveted. Yeah, so what's going on with this story? Riveted. I just want you to know. Go ahead now. Where, we, where was we, the devil? Well, so the, they Starkweather put six bullets in Jensen's head. So these teenagers so picked them up. So these teenagers stop. The boy, uh, Starkweather, put six bullets in his head. Uh, That's Carol, a little overkill, isn't it? Right. Carol King was shot once in the head. Her body was left half-naked with her jeans and panties down around her ankles. She had been stabbed repeatedly in the abdomen and pubic area, but there was no evidence of semen in or around her vagina. But this now didn't this cause a huge uproar with Carol because she he thought that maybe she thought that maybe Charlie had Carol Carol was Carol. I'm I'm reading. Okay, let her get there. So. Starkweather admitted to shooting Jensen and claimed Fugate shot Carol King out of jealousy. They stole Jensen's car and fled to Bennett. The bodies of the two teenagers were left in the in the storm cellar while Charlie and Carol took off with Jensen's car. You know, this reminds me a little bit of uh, Alton Coleman and Debbie Brown. I mean, they're just killing people willy-nilly. Right. You can't do Willy-nilly's no good. You should not kill people willy or nilly. No. No. Even though they talked about escaping to Washington State to find refuge with Charlie's brother, they actually did something incredibly dumb. <laughs> That's hard to believe. Who writes this shit? Knock me over with a feather. Right. They drove back to Lincoln. Huh. Sure. Where everybody knew their names, like Cheers, and everybody was looking for them. Yeah, by this time, word is out the family. Her, her family was murdered. But wait. And boyfriend is not to be found. But wait, there's more. <laughs> they drove past the Bartlett home to see if the bodies of Carol's parents had been discovered. They got there and they saw all of the police cars parked around the property. Did they figure it out then that they had? Um, probably not. The two drove then into the wealthier section of Lincoln and fell asleep in their stolen car. As a garbage man, Starkweather was familiar with the wealthy part of town. He now sought one of Lincoln's wealthiest families. They arrived at the home of businessman C. Lauer and Clara Ward. C. Lauer Ward, a, 40 set, a 47-year-old close friend of the governor and president of the Capitol Bridge 
and Capital Steel companies. That morning, Clara Ward, the industrialist, socially predominant, prominent, sorry, wife, and Lillian Fence, Fensel, their hard of hearing 51 year old maid. <laughs> Now, we're just gonna call her. A, we're just gonna call her Hazel from you now. You don't want to have a deaf mate because you're ringing the bell for more coffee. Well, wait, no, no, not only that, but you don't want if you're a stuttering killer, you don't want to be dealing with well, a you hard killer. You beat yourself all the time. Clearly, <laughs> it took them three days to decide to shoot the one. So they were. So they were home. Yeah. So Clara, Lily, Lily. Lillian cannot drive the car. Uh, Lillian cannot talk on the phone. phone. Oh, my God. You're not a good person. Okay. Um, they were home with the with their retriever, Queenie, and their small poodle, Susie. Uh, when Lillian answered the door, which she'd been told not to do, uh, when Lillian answered the door, Charlie pointed his gun at her. Carol stayed in the car. Uh, she, he ordered Lillian to lock up Queenie in the basement. Recognizing that the maid had hearing problems, he wrote her notes to consi- make himself understood. Uh, I was considerate of him. He probably couldn't spell with shit. But. He couldn't sign. He yeah. had a boy couldn't sign. No, but he told her to keep making breakfast for Miss Ward. When Clara Ward came into the kitchen, Charlie assured her that nothing bad would happen. She, Clara was calm and agreed to cooperate. Charlie had Carol come into the house where Miss Ward had fixed some coffee for her. Then Carol went to the library and fell asleep. Charlie ordered Clara Ward to fix him some pancakes and serve them to him in the library. So he's making the wealthy woman to make him breakfast. Well, like and, he's being a, and he's being a dick about yeah, it. Yeah, he's been a dick. When and she, Carol waiting in the car? No, she's in. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, uh, you got the maid there. What the hell she's yeah. for? When she did, when she made him pancakes... He then changed his mind and had him fix and had her fix him waffles instead. Yeah, he's being a real dick. Still, Miss Ward kept her cool and was gracious to Charlie all the while. He exulted in this accomplishment. One of the wealthiest residents of Lincoln was waiting on him, the former garbage man and stutterer galore. Uh, around 1 p.m., Claire Ward asked permission to go upstairs and change her shoes. After a few minutes, Charlie went upstairs to see what was keeping her. He claimed she'd armed herself with a twenty-two, shot at him, and missed. Charlie threw a knife at her and struck her in the back. Well, here's the thing. If you're holding hostages and one of the hostages asks to leave to change her shoes, <laughs> yeah. don't let him do that. Yeah, well, first of all, like, seriously, wait a minute. Let me repeat this sentence here. Charlie then threw a knife at her <laughs> yeah. and struck her in the back. He then stabbed her repeatedly in the neck and chest. So he is like Steven Seagal. Yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, like Daniel Boone. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Well, every, every, I mean, this is all, all this is his version of it, right? Because there was no oh, witnesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are no witnesses. Every, every, and everyone he killed except for the baby, it was always in self defense, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That baby he just did to be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. So as he dragged Clara's body into the bedroom, Susie started barking at him, the little poodle dog. Uh, so he snapped her neck. He already broke her. I'm sorry, he broke her neck with the butt of the gun. Ugh. He Take later it. admitted throwing a knife at Ward. However, he accused Fugate of inflicting the multiple stab wounds that were found on her body. So he threw the knife that took her down, but then old girl came upstairs and, and started and stabbed her. Stabbed him away. A half an hour later, C. Lauer Ward came home from work. 
to face the barrel with Starkweather's gun. After a long scuffle, Charlie finally got the upper hand and shot the industrialist dead. He then turned on Lillian. Poor Lillian, just going along, deaf as a pose, trying to do her thing. Here's what I don't get. Why wasn't Lillian running at... See, this is it's like one of those movies. They're scuffling around on the floor trying to get the gun. Why ain't Lillian stabbing him in the neck with a knife? Well, she's a little old lady. She is a little old lady. She probably... Uh, Carol and Charlie tied her to the bed and stabbed her to death. Charlie claimed that Carol killed the maid while Carol claimed that Charlie did it. You know, if they were smart, they'd had the maid clean up all the, yeah, the yeah. Gu- blood and guts clean and the brains up. Yeah. Uh, the next day, Ward's cousin and business associate missed him at work and called the house throughout the morning. Around noon, he went over to the house and let himself in and found the bodies of Ward, his wife, and the maid. Downstairs, Queenie barked furiously, and upstairs, Susie cowered under the bed with a broken neck. Oh, he didn't even get oh, her. Oh, he didn't kill her. Suffered. Starkweather and Fugate filled Lars back black 1956 Packard with stolen jewelry from the house and fled and fled Nebraska. The murders caused an uproar within Lancaster County with all law enforcement agencies in the region thrown into a into a house-by-house search for the killers. Yeah, because remember, this guy was friends with the governor. With, with everybody. Yeah. The governor of Nebraska contacted the Nebraska National Guard and the Lincoln chief of police called for a block-by-block search of the city. Frequent sightings of the two were often reported um, with oh, there were w- reported, but there were charges of incompetence against the Lincoln Police Department for their in- inability to capture the two. Needing a new car because of the high profile of their Packard, they found a traveling salesman, Merle Collison, sleeping in the Buick along the highway outside Douglas, Wyoming. After waking him up, which what was the point? They yeah. shot him. Yeah. Uh, with Starkweather accusing Fugate of performing a coup de grace after the shotgun jammed. Starkweather claimed Fugate was the most trigger-happy person he'd ever met. The salesman's car had a push-pedal emergency brake, which was something new to Starkweather. While attempting to drive away, the car stalled. He tried to restart the engine, and a passing motorist stopped to help. Uh, He threatened him with a rifle, and an altercation ensued. A sheriff's deputy arrived at the scene at that moment. Fugate ran to him, telling him something to the effect of, It's Starkweather. He's going to kill me. Starkweather tried to evade the police, exceeding speeds of 100 miles an hour. A bullet shattered the windshield and flying glass cut Starkweather. He then stopped abruptly and surrendered. Uh, Converse County Sheriff Earl Heflin said he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow bitch he is. Both Starkweather and Fugate were captured in Douglas. Yeah, so she gets captured first. Well, she goes running to, she goes running to the police to kind of yeah to say, oh, it's him, it's him, he's gonna kill me. But you know, so what happened next, Chuck? Well, they were charged. They were charged with first degree murder, Timmy. And at age 14, Carol Ann Fugate became the youngest female in United States history to have been tried for first-degree murder. Now, Starkweather first claimed Fugate was captured by him and had nothing to do with the murders. However, he changed his story several times, as he has wanted to do. It could have been that, you know, he, he did have a speech impediment and he didn't understand what he was saying. Well, it probably was. He thought that she was going to stick by him. And- yeah. Then he figured out that she wasn't. But he testified at her trial that she was a willing participant 
Now, Fugate has always maintained that she was held hostage, which doesn't really make sense because he would have just killed her with the family. You know what I mean? But he loved her. He he was not one to hold hostages. Yeah, but, you know, she had a lot ample opportunity to escape. Yeah, and she claimed that she did not know. She was unaware her family was even dead. Now, Judge Harry Spencer, he was having none of it. They called him Hanging Judge Harry. Well, actually, they didn't call him Hanging Judge. Judge Harry Spencer was known for his appendage. They called him Hung Judge Harry Spencer. Really? Yeah, they, they, they did. Really. He was known in Lincoln, Nebraska as the uh, most well-endowed man. You know, that's why I love Nebraska. having you on these podcasts, because you bring you bring things that no one ever finds in the research. I well, mean, no, you got you to gotta dig deep. True. you got to dig deep if you want to find out about the judge's tallywack. Yeah, I, I like to do my research, Timmy. Well, uh, you know, I read we appreciate deeply into that these. Because, you know, I spend hours <clears throat> researching these stories, and you don't spend hardly any time researching them, and yet you've always got things to add. It's well, it, I, I like to, I like to you know, bring my own contribute. So, anyway, the hung judge, Harry Spencer, did not believe Fugate was held hostage by Starkweather. She had too many opportunities to escape. Starkweather, for his part, received a death penalty for the murder of Robert Jensen. Now, all these people that he killed, the only one they could prove beyond a reasonable doubt was uh, was the Jensen one. And Fugate, she got a life sentence. See, that. I don't understand that because he, 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 admitted, he, admitted, he admitted killing the, the kid, the baby. Yeah. I mean, the other ones, he okay, the other ones, everyone he claimed self-defense, self-defense. But the baby, he just... You know, hit in the head with the butt with the gun because the yeah. baby was crying. Now, she received a life sentence um, without parole, but then her sentence was commuted, allowing her to be paroled in June 1976. So this was about... She only did about, about 20, 20 years, years for this. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, a little less than 20 years. Now, Charlie, he got executed in the electric chair in the Nebraska State Penitentiary in Lincoln, Nebraska at 1201 on June 25th, 1959. Now think about this, Timmy. He res- he got the death penalty, mm-hmm. um, and within a year he was dead. Yeah, it was pretty swift. Yeah, so his appeals went fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Starkweather is buried up in uh, Lincoln, along with five of his victims, the Bartlett family and the Ward couple. Now Fugate, she was paroled back in 1976 after serving 18 years at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in York, Nebraska. She probably had lesbian sex during that time. Oh, think? she had all kinds of... She was she was cleaning more carpet than... What's that company really? name? Really? That's and, what we're doing? Yeah. Well, Stanley Steamer. She was cleaning more carpet than Stanley Steamer. So anyway, uh, you know she was a lesbian. Well, nothing, wrong nothing wrong with that. I mean, if, you, if you're if in a woman's prison, let's let's be honest about a couple of things here. And, and the colonel... See, this is why... This is why so some of our, our, our political candidates are so popular. You got Bernie Sanders on one side, mm-hmm. Donald Trump on the other, because they're just telling it how they see it. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the reality of this is is that if you uh, if you play college softball, you have experimented with lesbians. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm with her on that. Curry lost me, buddy. Now the devil played college softball. Tell me it ain't true. Shut Tell up. Tell me it ain't true. It's not true. Shut up. And you like, no, there's nothing to back the it's there's, it's been scientifically proven that eighty four percent of college softball female college softball Has players it? have experimented it's with lesbian at least proven. once. Johnson and Johnson. Uh, Masters, Masters and Johnson. And Johnson you no, ignorant. Johnson and Johnson did Chuck, just. Chuck, you ignorant slut. 
<laughs> Somebody did a study. Finish this. Okay, so anyway, <clears throat> and if you did more than one year in a women's penitentiary, you've experimented it. with lesbianism. Who cares? But, yeah, we don't we don't condemn that. We we from you know, we like to promote lesbian, especially if they're attractive. Yeah, yeah, and Carol was attractive. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of her. She wasn't that hot. She's no, thirteen. She yeah, well, she got older. <laughs> well, then she turned into a man. By the time she was paroled, she was over 40. She was a man. So anyway, she settled down in Lansing, Michigan, where she changed her name and worked as a janitor and a medical assistant at Lansing Hospital. She retired in 2006, but Karma had something in store for her. In 2007, Bugate moved to Stiker, Ohio, and married Frederick Clare, a machinist 11 years her senior, who also worked as a weather observer for the National Weather Service. Oh, that's an interesting job. Mm-hmm. Now he's out one day when they had to when they had to. Now I, I was talking about this before. He was an observer for the National Weather Service, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Now they got millions and billions and millions of dollars in this Doppler equipment, right? I would imagine. Yeah. And in the spring, you have a bad storm. And what did they tell you? Tornado watch. Mm-hmm. What they're saying is, I got all this radar that can tell me everything in the world. Watch my channel, but take a break real quick. Run out on your porch and see if you see a tornado for me and call me, would you? So, you, what's your point? Well, he was a weather observer. Star- Striker, Ohio, by the way, is in northeast Ohio, close to the Michigan border. And he... Uh he was struck by an unusually Northwest large... Northwest Ohio, I'm sorry. Northwest? Northwest, yeah. Because okay. if it's northeast, it'd be by the Pennsylvania border. Well, he was struck by an unusually large hailball observing Damn. the weather. Damn. That's not true. And um, what happened to him? He did have some unfortunate um, events. No, he gave him a head injury. And then he tried to drive with that head injury. And he, he, they were involved in a single accident, single vehicle accident near Tecumseh, Michigan. The husband who was driving, who had the head injury from the hail, um, it went off the road, overturned. He died at the scene of the accident. When was that? When, what year was that? That was in 2013, just okay. a couple years oh, ago. Couple years ago. So now, well, that would have made her about 65 years old, 66. That's too damn old to be driving. He was 11 years she, her senior? Yeah, she didn't get married until she was like in her 50s, I think. So that would have made this man like 75 years old. What the hell are he doing driving anyway? Well, I don't know, but he's when not. When are we going to stop this? He's not anymore. So she's had a, she's seen some pretty violent stuff in her life. We, you know, we need to stop this uh, epidemic of old people driving. Well, because they text so damn much, Timmy. You know how long it takes an old person well, to text. They might, they not be texting. They might be updating their Instagram page. Well, they're trying to text, but it takes old people a long, long time to text. They don't do it quickly like you and I do. Right. I'm going down the highway, 75 miles an hour. I got, I got a coke in one hand. You can multitask. Texting with my other thumb. What's the, but old uh, people, they can't do it. Well, they Snapchat. That's the problem. <laughs> just, Snapchat. What, what happened to her? Is she still around? Yeah, she is, and to this day, she refuses to speak of the murders to me. Well, I think that's probably a good good idea. So, wow. So, Brandy, what yes. do you think about uh, your final thoughts on Charles Stockweather and Carol and Fugate? Uh, they were slimy. Yeah, I don't like them very well. I, I, like I think he all. killed people for no There's reason. There's no redeeming quality about them at all. And there is. I'm going to tell you what it is. And she was 13. Not while I'm talking. Yeah, well, if turn. you would finish it's up, you tend to ramble. 
but she's 13. But she in all fairness, you had 15 pages and he had one. Now, she had, she was 13 years old. They don't have any redeeming qualities anyway. She was kind of a whore. She was a lot of a whore. Well, so, I, you know, there's I, nothing. There's so you nothing think there. she was in on it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I just don't understand why they, you know, it was so random what they did. I mean, they killed people for no reason whatsoever. I mean, they, the, 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 you know, the guy, the guy, the guy at the gas station, the guy, that, the guy they robbed, uh, stole the, uh, uh, car from who was asleep on you know was just sleeping in his car the teenagers and gave him a ride yeah I, mean, I can see you get but we it. didn't get to that they had a big falling out there because Charlie Carol thought that Charlie might have molested yeah. well, her well well yeah she was jealous of we uh, did get to it I said that she was jealous oh, of did the, you say uh, that yeah that was you know, again all of this was his yeah. version of events and it seems you know. I don't know. Maybe a 13-year-old does get jealous or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're, they're all end up dead. And, you know, if she did it or he did it, it doesn't really matter. They, they both were responsible, I think. Well, so, let me tell you the good to come out of this. Time. All right. Every cloud has a silver lining. Every dog has got his day. <laughs> okay. So early bird catches the worm. Yeah. That's a couple. But out of this, Timmy, Terrence Malick decided to make a movie. Yeah. And Charlie Sheen was in it. Oh, well, and, then it's a jam. Uh, I'm sorry, not Charlie Sheen. Martin Sheen is daddy. I like um, Martin Sheen. He was in uh, West Wing. I like Wayne. Martin Sheen. He Martin was in the Sheen. West Wing. You know what? I like Charlie Sheen, even though I know he has issues. I don't. But he has a Cincinnati Reds. He's a Cincinnati Reds fan. He has a Cincinnati Reds tattoo. Yeah. So, he's a uh, douche face Magoo. Well, anyway, Terrence a, a lot of sex. makes this movie. And he not calls as much anymore. Not as much, no. It, it drastically dries up when you got the AIDS. Yeah, that, 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 that. No, he got cured of AIDS because he drank cougar blood Tiger or blood. something. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. there's something going on. Yeah, he got uh-huh. cured of AIDS. I didn't know that. Go ahead. Okay, so Terrence Malick makes a movie. He mm-hmm. calls it Badlands. Okay. A young budding artist from New Jersey. Is this a goddamn Bruce Springsteen reference? The movie. I swear to Christ. And is struck by the title, and he writes a song after the title of the movie, Badlands, but then he comes out with a whole album based on the events that happened and a song, and he names that album what, Timmy? Nebraska. One of the all-time great folk records that's ever been recorded. So we can't say no good can come from this. Yeah. We've got a couple good tunes out of these slides. Some really good tunes. Ali Slane. From a town. Right. I don't know. Well, thank God. Thank, thank, Nebraska. thank God that baby died or we wouldn't have had that album. Well. We're so sawed off for 10 no. on my life. He has to tell the story. Yeah. No. The story's over. Okay. So I'm going on vacation. You so are. You're going our, to Thailand. We're going to Thailand. I'll be gone for a couple weeks. So our What pot- will you be doing what? in Thailand, Timmy? I thought you are only going to be gone for a week. No. no two weeks. Two weeks. He's an international guy. i got to deal with your crap for two weeks. Um, so um, we're not sure how often we're going to be able to post podcasts while I'm gone because I'm the only one that can actually uh, do this, apparently. So um, we're Did they ask Clark Gable to be Louis Mayer? No, no, they didn't. Clark Gable was Clark Gable. Okay, so um, if you're listening to us, please uh, be patient with us. We'll get up. We'll get the new content up as soon as possible. But um, I will be out of the country until the 26th, so it's probably going to be first of March before our next podcast comes out. We have one in the in the can that we'll release sometime while I'm gone. But um, 
So we just ask for your patience. And um, and if you send in some questions, maybe we'll do a couple Ask the Colonel segments with me and the devil. Okay. If you want to do that, send in some questions, yeah. and they, they can record something for you. But uh, uh, other than that, um, where can people find us, Colonel? People can find us right now in Cincinnati, Ohio. No, um, where can they find History Dweebs? Oh, the History Dweebs. I'm sorry. Um, they can find us on the iTunes. Yes, please um, leave us a review. They can find us. We are going to be leaving New Hampshire tomorrow uh, um, after the results true. are in. Um, moving down to South Carolina for those primaries. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on Facebook. <laughs> please leave um, a comment. There will be a History Dweebs special edition family feud where we're going to be going up against last podcast on the left, right? No, no. But you can find us on Twitter. You can they find can us find us on, us on Twitter. Where can they not find us, Timmy? At History Dweebs 1. You cannot find us on YouTube because the Colonel has not, has not um, got our station on YouTube Or yet. our little soundboard. Or our soundboard, yes. We the Colonel's have. working on the soundboard. Yeah. So that we're trying to take the echo out of here. Um but we will be um, doing the family feud with the last podcast on the left. Are we doing against them? No, that's not true. But while we are gone, we have friends. Uh, they, they've been uh, last podcast on the left has been very gracious to let us post our <coughs> uh, post our um, podcast on their page. So check them out if you're in need of something to listen to. Also, I've been actually really enjoying Charlie's Unblocked. Okay, well let me get through these lists. Okay? Oh, okay. So last podcast on the left. Check them out. You got trouble. check out. Sorry. Check out Thinking Sideways. They've been very gracious and let us uh, promote our, our podcast on their Facebook page, too, and they always got good stuff. And So check out Thinking Sideways. They always got cool stuff. Um, also, uh, our friend Scott, Scotty J. Scotty J. He's got uh, the Masters of the Universe. Yeah, and he's got uh, Scotty J.'s History Podcast. Uh, check those out. Those are on iTunes and on at Podcast Garden. And finally... Unblock um, Charlie. You know Charlie got kind of a sexy voice. Unblock. Um, she's a very nice lady, and uh, they got interesting topics. And I think she's on iTunes. She's um, on iTunes. I know they have a Facebook page called Unblock, and they have uh, a lot of interesting topics. So while you're waiting for our return, please check them out. We'll try to get something up here, you know, as soon as we can. Like I said, we have one podcast that we're going to post while I'm away, and then uh, Brandy and the Colonel maybe pod- maybe posting others. But um, well, we need your questions. We need you. Yeah, ask the qu- colonel. Ask the colonel. Yes, yeah, send the uh, email to the Facebook page, and uh, we'll make sure the colonel gets it. Any uh, any other final thoughts, guys? No. All right. Um, I hope you stay safe and stay safe and do not get killed in Thailand. Thank you. Timmy gonna get sold into human slavery. And no, yeah, I, we're just waiting. I'm not going to get sold into human slavery. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll check you. We'll see you next time on History Dweeb. Good day. Bye. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.